0: Welcome to the Deep Dive. I'm your host, Philip McKenzie. I'm an anthropologist strategist with a focus on culture and humanity-centered design. I'm Brooklyn-born and Brooklyn-made. Every week, I bring you guests from a wide variety of backgrounds who, despite their different areas of expertise, share traits in common. They aim high, push boundaries, and make things happen. Their experiences drive insights. This is part two of the Deep Dive conversation with Joseph Illich, editorial director, A Wave, Blue World. In part one, Joseph and I talked about the power of the hero narrative and what it means for impactful storytelling. In part two, we will continue that journey and riff on Joker, Watchmen, and go off the dome. Check it out now. These narratives, I think, they reflect that history that you talked about and everything that we're seeing, it's taken a different form Right. In the past, but we are having some of these same conversations around who's getting what? How are we allocating our resources? What type of society are we building? Who's coming to the table? How are we celebrating or even acknowledging their voices? And when we, when you framed this and talked about content being created in particular context, there's two notes that I wanted to discuss. One was actually no man's land. Yes. The other was the current house slash power of X story. Okay. Which I think are two allegorical Mm -hmm. stories. Like when I read No Man's Land, to me, I thought of New York in the 70s and 80s.
1: Absolutely. Right? Beyond beyond the shadow of a doubt. That
0: was my frame. The Bronx burning. Absolutely. And the abandonment, right? Like feeling you're outside of the mainstream. And maybe I don't buy this completely, but those who- Voted for this current regime might feel this aspect of what's been working for those in power isn't working for me. Brexit might be a reflection of that. I'm interested in talking through No Man's Land a little bit. Then, also, like I said, the house slash power of X story. Right. To me, (laughs) my read was very like, yeah, man, do that shit. Right. No, 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 listen. (laughs) Without spoilers for everybody who might not have read it, but feel free. Big
1: stories happen in cycles. If there was a big story every month, then it wouldn't be a big story. So, something like No Man's Land, that only happens every 10 years. Something like House of X, Powers of 10, that's only going to happen like every 10 years. When No Man's Land happened, it was at the closing of a millennium. And what it really spoke to was because. Gotham City had been plagued by an environmental disaster or basically a biochemical disaster and an earthquake that the government of the United States considered it a hazard zone. It destroyed the bridges so no one could get in and out, turned off the power, stopped supplying food. So Gotham City had descended into a feudal society, and that was a situation in which Society broke down, and it had to build back up, and the Batman was broken. His spirit was broken, and he had to find his courage. He had to go back to Gotham, and he had to reintroduce the legend of the Bat to Gotham City. He had to make people respect his authority again, and he had to use the language that gangs used. He had to use the language of tagging. So all the heroes and the villains and even the cops, when they took back territories, they tagged these territories. So you knew this territory belonged to the GCPD. This territory belonged to the penguin. This territory was a territory of the bat. And certain skills that were non-tangible skills became irrelevant. And the skills that became important were sewing, Fixing shoes, growing food. Food, yeah. And so we were knocked back down to a pre industrial society where, as human beings, we had to re engage very basic skills and basic tenets of humanity. And so that represented this major shift for the Batman mythos that would then last for another decade. When you talk about something like House of X and Powers of 10, which is the big relaunch of the X-Men line. Those two books were the only two books coming out bi-weekly for three months. It was a weekly conversation that was really part of the global zeitgeist. Everyone was talking about House of X and Powers of Ten, And what that really spoke to is, we understand that the X-Men are basically, as you said, as an idea, they're allegorical to deal with prejudice and how to survive and thrive in a climate of prejudice mutants basically represent the other basically mutants are hated and feared by society but mutants also have powers and that also speaks to people from different backgrounds whom have made major contributions to industry major contributions to culture that come from societies of high intellect and high grandeur and were beaten down and enslaved And hated and feared because of their potency, because they were special. And what this community has now done is go from the defensive to the offensive. Because as you said, we don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it, but basically it's changing the narrative so that your differences are the gateway to empowerment and that there is great power in the aligning of communities yeah. and, and forgiveness and forgiveness. That's right. And being magnanimous. And when you think about one of the reasons that people of color are feared in society, it goes back to this joke that Louis CK said in a skit where he said, you know, basically, you know, white people are going to be afraid of the future because when the majority population is people of color, there's going to be a comeuppance. And that's one of the things that's feared. But if you look at the reality in which we live, despite the fact that we are beaten, despite the fact that we are segregated, that we are biased against, there's still within us under the anger and under the tenacity to survive and thrive, there is a capacity to be magnanimous. And so these big stories that you talk about, which played out through superhero fiction on a comic book landscape, they're resonant because they speak to true human needs and wants and the power of community. And you spoke about civic responsibility a little earlier. You know, one of the reasons that Black Panther is so potent and it's a universal film is because at the core of Black Panther, Is the understanding that you cannot have so much and not share. That is a crime against humanity. You have to share wealth. You have to share technology. You have to share resources because that's the only way we're going to move forward collectively. The idea that it's us and them is a true mistake. We have to build more bridges instead of walls.
0: Absolutely. I want to segue to talk about two content pieces that are in the universe right now from two separate places. One obviously being Joker, filmed by Todd Phillips, which is now I think the highest grossing R-rated film. That's right. It knocked Deadpool out. And then also the latest iteration of The Watchmen. Sure. Which is on HBO. Right. So again, we're seeing that centering of superhero content, major films, major networks, all invested in this content. I've seen both, been watching both, and I think they approach our current state from two very different perspectives. Right. The Watchmen so far telling a story where race is very much centered, this idea of resource allocation, very much centered, and even the way in which the story is being told. We're only two episodes in, but there's a lot going on there around power Gender, race, society that still have yet to be discovered, but very potent way of telling stories as compared to The Joker, which was a film that I admittedly did not like, Right, but with some good performance, but didn't like the film. But I think they're coming at our current zeitgeist from two very different places. And I'm curious to hear what you think about that.
1: Uh, No doubt about it. Let me start by saying that as a former Batman editor and someone who will always have an affection for that mythos. I have not yet seen the Joker film. And the reason I haven't seen it isn't because I feel like I know what its content is. I know what its validity is to exist. I don't feel like I necessarily know what its capacity is to trigger toxic behavior in our society. But I feel like my... Feeling now is that the Joker is not going to make me feel good. I'm not (laughs) going to walk out of that film feeling good. And the world already does that to some degree. I have a New York Times subscription, and there are days when I don't even want to check the New York Times because I feel like the headlines that are going to pop up first are really bad. I feel like you really have to dig to get to the good news. The Joker may be an excellent. Character exploration about how someone becomes a villain or how a villain becomes a supervillain. And it may have an amazing performance by an amazing actor. There are a lot of people that worked on it. They believe in the validity of that story. But honestly, it's not a story that I feel compelled to see. I may go see it out of curiosity, but I would have to be in a certain frame of mind. What is interesting, though, is that that story could have existed without being the Joker.
0: That was one of my main criticisms. So this
1: this is what we're getting to now,
0: is that- It could have been any taxi driver type of story. Absolutely. The, The Joker piece was like shoehorned into me. Right. But that's really
1: interesting, right? That the potency of the superhero genre- and the supervillains within the superhero genre by default, it's so powerful that corporations recognize that through using these iconic characters, these intellectual properties as ambassador vehicles through which to deliver stories, that it will get more eyeballs on it. It will get more people talking about it. And, you know, there is a saying that There's no such thing as bad press. There is a such thing as bad press, but all press gets people curious Yeah, and people want to be part of the conversation. No one wants to be the person in the room of a hundred people that doesn't know what's going on. So this controversy around the Joker activates the need in people to want to be part of the story. Yeah. I don't feel today that I need to be part of the story. And possibly it's because I've worked with the Joker mythology, you know, as a Batman editor. So I myself have reconciled certain feelings about the Joker. Now, Watchmen is an entirely different thing in a way because Watchmen has a direct connection to the original source material, the graphic novel. It's not just taking the name Watchmen within the story are elements that created a new world out of that world from the 40s and the 60s and the 80s of the original graphic novel and they did a very similar thing though Damon Lindelof and all the people involved in HBO they used a beloved highly respected critically acclaimed intellectual property of Watchmen to really discuss racial inequity as it relates to economic empowerment and societal evolution. When you're talking about the Tulsa massacre that happened, now, you and I knew about that. And we've known about it for some time. And a bunch of our friends and family members, they knew about it. But the world at large, or at the very least the nation at large, didn't know about it. And the Google searches proved that out. That's right, because I think it became like the number six Googled thing the day after Watchmen premiered on HBO. So they're tapping into a number of things. Number one, the original Watchmen was a political story. It was a story about Cold War dynamics. It was a story about America going away from a supposed idealism into a certain reality. That reality was personified by the comedian. It dealt with gender politics. It also dealt with race, and it dealt with prejudice against queer people because the character of Hooded Justice was shamed by the comedian in the original Watchmen graphic novel for being queer. So the original Watchmen Is a political story about the deterioration of our society towards a nuclear Armageddon. Where the Watchmen HBO series is going has yet to be determined, but it is also dealing with white supremacy. It is dealing with racial prejudice and segregation. It is dealing with our deterioration as a society away from the American dream towards the American reality and where we're going, who knows? But it's not looking good. And again, it's in climates where villainy reigns that people are galvanized towards heroic action and they're going to fight against that. So that is a more direct correlation to its original source material. And as you said, what Joker and Watchmen... Both have in common is they are examining the origins of white supremacy from two different angles. One is societal and one is historical.
0: And that historical piece is what's interesting because you have appropriation of a character as Rorschach in the original that is framed as the hero of the original. Mm -hmm. And what I'm really excited to figure out is how does he become a symbol for white supremacy right. in this. And I'm right, wondering- Right, for the 7th Cavalry. And this is purely, I haven't read a lot of like fan stuff and deep dive into it, but I'm curious how so much of today's current alt-right, proto-fascists and other people, they use a lot of their arguments around free speech, what is true. That's a, a very much how they frame their conversations. So I'm curious if the Rorschach character's devotion to truth as he saw it as compared to the other characters, right? if that's part of their conversation. This idea of when you get into those spaces, unfortunately, they're very much into conspiracy, deep state, right? QAnon is a big part of this. And I think Rorschach was a prototype of that in a way, right? Like he was the one who was figuring out what was going on in the original story. He wanted to expose the conspiracy and was foiled in doing that, right? I don't know. This is all speculation on my part, but I'm curious if it goes in that direction to make those sort of links to a character that wasn't a white supremacist in the original.
1: There was a recent Vertigo series called American Carnage. American Carnage dealt with government agent, basically infiltrating circles that dealt with white supremacy, neo-Nazism. It was written by a friend of mine, Brian Edward Hill. And one thing that he spoke about publicly a lot was that to write the experiences from other people, you have to talk with other people and you have to get to understand their positioning. Like we're quick to demonize and demons should be demonized, but. What are the origins of certain feelings, of certain mentalities? So now it's interesting. You mentioned things like deep state and conspiracies. In the world of the Watchmen, that's real. Yeah. Adrian Veet pulled the ultimate conspiracy on the entire planet. Yeah. Whereas we're talking about conspiracies that we can't prove or that we think we can prove, this was the ultimate conspiracy exposed. And in the face of that, how does society respond? Adrian Veidt, intelligent, wealthy, a supposedly benevolent human being, a corporate magnate, sounds killed, familiar. Uh huh. <laughs> killed millions of people to save billions of people. Now that's an ends justify the means mentality, but he still murdered millions of people, yeah. right? And Rorschach is the person who would not abide by that lie? He was the one person who said, no, I'm going to tell the truth, and he was killed for it, but his journal was found. You may not agree with a alt-right neo-Nazi organization like the 7th Cavalry, but let's think about what happens when you find a journal that basically tells the road to the ultimate lie exposed and millions of people were killed they might have been your sisters your brothers whatever you can kind of start figuring out the road to get to the seventh cavalry is it the right road no but this is how these things happen this is what narratives have to explore and this is one of the ways that we're going to actually combat toxic narratives is figuring out the origins of them and getting back to where we're the same as opposed to where we're
0: different. This is the heavy work. What's, I think, vital and important is that through storytelling, no matter how those stories are manifested, we can pull history lessons. We can pull paths to our potential alternative futures. There's so much that can be born out of storytelling and comics is a perfect way, a perfect backdrop, perfect platform in which to have a myriad of those conversations. I want to jump into our segment that I've been waiting for. It's called Off the Dome. Okay. Where I'm going to shoot some questions at you and then you give me what comes right off the dome. So this is almost a homage to Wu Tang. We talked about Wu Tang so much. That's right. That's right. It's only appropriate. We should go out on something hip hop related. All right, let's go. So my first one is at their peak power, who wins between Thor and Superman? Thor, And I'm not giving any editorial to this. So when you hear me laugh, I'm not adding in. Okay. Best old school crossover event, Secret Wars or Crisis on Infinite Earth? Crisis on Infinite Earths. (laughs) Come on, dude, challenge me. These are easy. Best Joker, Mark Hamill, Heath Ledger, or Joaquin Phoenix?
1: It's a tie between Mark Hamill and Heath Ledger. Do I have to pick one? You know, I'm going to allow a tie. Okay. I'm going to allow a tie. That's a tie for for different different reasons. We could have a discussion just on that, but that's a tie.
0: If you can choose any IP that you can produce and bring to life, what would you want to get your hands on? Wow. Any intellectual property out there?
1: I would say I'd really like to get my hands on the Lee Child Jack Reacher universe. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack with Jack Reacher.
0: Okay. Yeah. And if you can have one superpower, what would that superpower be? Interesting. I would say flight. All right. You want to get from New York to London a little quicker. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
1: Also, just like defy gravity, see things from an entirely different perspective, like fly through the clouds.
0: That'd be pretty amazing. All right. Now, this is our last segment of the show. It's called A Drop, where I'm going to share something that I think is important, critical, people should check out. Of course, I'm going to ask you to do the same. So okay. I'm going to ask you to go first.
1: Okay. I'm reading a book now called Contagious, which is written by Jonah Berger, who is a graduate of the Wharton School in Pennsylvania. And it talks about why certain ideas stick, why they stick in our minds, why they stick in our hearts, why they stick in our you know, global consciousness. And so that's really fascinating. I find that even though it's disguised as a business book. I feel like it can teach us a number of things about life. So I'm in the process of reading that now.
0: Okay, yeah, that's that's an awesome drop. My drop is something to watch. I'm a big fan of BoJack Horseman. And the latest season came out maybe about a week or so. It's going to be different depending on when people are listening to this. But in any case, it's season six for BoJack Horseman. If you haven't watched the show, I would highly recommend it. It's had some of the most... I think, poignant and honest conversations that I've seen around family, around depression, around friendship, um, what those things mean, how we grapple with our life's choices and decisions. And it's an example of where the so-called absurdity of the medium, the fact that it is animated, it has all these anthropomorphic characters, obviously with a name like Bojack Horseman. But I think that allows them to do a lot of things that we can't, or won't do in conventional media. So highly recommend it. I think it's a is a great drop. All right? All right. So we're going to wrap there and I want to say it's been a pleasure having Joseph on the show with us. I'm so glad you joined me on the deep dive. You can listen to the deep dive via Apple, Stitcher and go to our website which is deepdivepod.co. Download, listen, share to all my listeners wherever you are in the world, wherever you are in your life's journey. I want to thank you and see you on the other side. And I want to thank Joseph again for joining me. Thanks for having me, Philip. Had a great time. It's been a pleasure having Joseph join me on The Deep Dive. You can listen to The Deep Dive via Apple Podcasts and our website, thedeepdivepod.com. Download, subscribe, listen, and share. You can follow me on Twitter via at Far Flung Phil. To all my listeners, wherever you are in the world, wherever you are in your life's journey, I thank you.